Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, and I hope you guys are all having a great day. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. If after watching the video or listening to it, you find that you enjoyed it or learned something, all I ask is that you hit that like button. Okay, let's dig in. Kaylee Gonsalves' father, Stephen, has said that Kaylee's injuries were significantly more brutal than those of her best friend, Maddie Mogan. This may be why the cops have stated publicly that they believe the crime was targeted. More severe injuries on one of the four victims would indicate the victim was the perpetrator's main target. And since Maddie and Kaylee were sleeping in the same bed that night, this may indicate that Maddie may have been in the wrong place at the wrong time that night, and the perpetrator may have harmed Maddie simply to silence her and keep her from fighting back, and then he turned his attention to Kaylee, where he vented all of his rage. Whoever did this spent more time harming Kaylee than Maddie. That's a fact if we are to believe Kaylee's father, who stated that his daughter's injuries were significantly worse than Maddie's. This may also explain why Kaylee's mother, Christy, has expressed being fearful that the suspect might turn up at Kaylee's funeral. You may recall that the Gonsalveses said they were holding off on having a funeral for Kaylee out of fear that the suspect, who has yet to be caught, might turn up. Clearly, Kaylee's mom and dad have been making decisions and coming up with theories based off of Kaylee and Maddie's injuries. Steve Gonsalves also rightly pointed out that if the suspect came in through the sliding doors at the back of the house on the second floor, then the suspect deliberately headed up to the third floor. The suspect, if he just wanted to hurt people, could have stayed on the second floor where he harmed Ethan Chapin and Zana Kernadal. Then he could have fled the scene at that point through the same sliding door. But that's not what happened. Instead, the suspect decided to climb up the stairs to the third floor. This act may be a second indicator that Kaylee was indeed the suspect's main target. If he wanted to play it safe, the suspect would have left after harming Ethan and Zana and gone out the same sliding door he came in through, but instead he chose to continue upstairs. That put him at a greater risk of leaving touch DNA and other evidence like blood, hair fibers, etc. in the home. It also meant that the crime took longer and the suspect spent a longer amount of time at the scene of the crime. By the way, we also now know that both Zana's bedroom and Maddie's bedroom were locked from the outside the next day when the two surviving roommates woke up and when the police arrived around noon. This tells me that Zana and Maddie had the type of locks on their doorknobs where you can move the lock to the locked position, step out of the door, close the door, and the door will be locked, or they had locks with a keypad. If they had locks of the deadbolt variety, then the perpetrator would have had to leave Zana's room out of a window. 
then gone back inside the house, climbed the stairs to the third floor, and harmed Kaylee and Maddie. And if they had a deadbolt, then he would have had to leave the home through an upstairs window. I bet we're going to find out that the locks were the type where you either have a key to get in or you use a code. If they had deadbolts, then this perpetrator was really hustling and really determined and really taking extra risk. This person made a conscious effort to walk up the stairs to the third floor. This person planned the crime to some extent. He came armed with a sharp-edged object. The police have said there were no signs of forced entry, so it's believed that the backsliding doors were left open. It also seems likely that the suspect knew the house, knew the floor plan, knew where the victims were sleeping. Either the person knew the victims because he'd been there previously for a party. This was a known party house after all. Or he knew the victims because he had some sort of relationship with one or more of them. I believe now that Kaylee Gonsalves was the suspect's main target, and this would indicate that maybe the suspect accidentally ran into Ethan and Zana in the home that night, or awakened them somehow by making noise. Maybe Ethan came out to check things out, and the suspect then felt forced to harm Ethan and Zana too, to maintain his anonymity. By the way, if Kaylee does have more significant injuries than all of her three friends, then this would say not only that she was the suspect's main target, it would also provide a motive for the crime. The motive could be revenge for this person feeling mistreated by Kaylee in some way. Could he have felt dumped by her? Could he have felt misled by her? Could he have felt that she represented something that either he could not have or that he loathed in some way? I'll let that simmer with you as I move on to my next topic. One of the last people to see Kaylee Gonsalves and Maddie Mogan on the night-slash-morning they lost their lives is a guy named Jack S., Yes, yet another Jack in the story. In crime cases, the first person or people the investigators look at are the last ones to see and interact with the victim or victims. This automatically landed Jack S. on the list of potential persons of interest. The police have announced numerous times that Jack S. has been cleared, so he isn't someone they're looking at at least that we know of. But we also are aware that the cops can clear someone on one day and then the next day change their minds. We also know that Kaylee's parents, Stephen and Christy Gonsalves, have expressed that they feel the investigators cleared some folks too soon. They did not name names, but I'm assuming that Jack S., may be among those individuals. Note that I'm not accusing Jack S. of anything. I just want to share what we know about him, why he's been the topic of many online true crime Reddit posts, and why he might be one of the people the Gonsalveses believe was cleared prematurely. I'm leaving his last name out of this because he's not been named a person of interest, nor has he been charged in connection with this crime. So, the story goes that Jack S. 
arrived at the food truck on Main Street in Moscow, Idaho, with Kaylee and Maddie. From what Kaylee's sister, Olivia, has said, Kaylee and Maddie arrived at that food truck between 1.40 a.m. and 1.45 a.m., and Jack S. is clearly visible in the Grub Truck's Twitch live feed video footage. He's the guy wearing a hoodie who hovers in the background as Kaylee interacts with the Grub Truck employee, and Maddie stumbles through a group of people to get to a friend and give him a hug. I say stumbles because she really does stumble and sort of gently pushes her way through a cluster of people who are standing there. We can see that Maddie is under the influence of something. Know that I'm not saying that to shame her. It's just pretty obvious in the video. And we've heard from a guy named Joe Vito, who was at the Corner Club bar when the two young women were there, that Kaylee appeared inebriated and Maddie was glass-eyed. Vido also stated that the two young women got a lot of attention from guys at the bar. Maddie and Kaylee were simply enjoying what many college students do on the weekend, hitting a bar, drinking a tad, socializing. There's no shame in that. And there's no blaming the victims of this brutal crime for anything that happened that night. Now, Joe Vido has said that a car pulled up for Kaylee and Maddie and that the male driver got out and shouted, hurry up. Then Kaylee and Maddie ran to the car and left in it. Vido said that when he pointed out to Jack S. that Kaylee and Maddie had left, Jack S. allegedly said, what the F? If that's really what he said then it would appear that he was a little upset and that maybe he thought he was going to accompany Kaylee and Maddie to their off-campus home. Vido also expressed that he felt Jack S. was perhaps hoping to head home with the girl. Of course, none of us really knows what Jack S. was thinking at the time. What makes Jack S. interesting in terms of this crime is that, one, as I stated earlier, He's among the last people to see Kaylee and Maddie alive and to speak to them. Two, Jack S. was kicked out of the Corner Club bar Saturday night, November 12th, for allegedly being creepy with female bargoers. And again, that's allegedly. Jack S. was also allegedly kicked out of his fraternity due to anger issues. Four, Jack S. owns one of those K-Bar sharp-edged objects. That is the type the authorities believe was used in the crime. Now, that might not say much because a lot of guys have sharp-edged objects like that. Even my husband has one. In fact, he gave me one. By the way, the one I received is large and it's also heavy. Whoever committed this crime had to have strong hand muscles to grip that object and repeatedly use it on four human beings. 5. Jack S. is a hunter. We know that from photos on his mother's Facebook that show him standing behind big game prey, that he's just, and I hate to say this word, but it's the most appropriate, 
gutted. I know he had to have participated in that act because his pants are full of the red stuff. I've placed those photos on my community page if you want to see them. A trigger warning, though. The photos are pretty much gross for anyone who is a non-hunter. For hunters, this stuff is probably no big deal. In Jack's family, if we are to go by the photos on his mother's Facebook page, it would appear that big game hunting is a hobby. Even Jack's mother, I'm assuming it's his mother, is pictured holding something that was removed from an animal. And finally, six, Jack S.'s alleged alibi after leaving the grub truck on the day of the crime is that he drove five hours to his parents' cabin. Before I continue, let me just remind you to please smash that like button when you're done listening or watching and subscribe. Leave me a comment. Please consider supporting the work I do either through a channel membership or a one-time Patreon donation. You can find out how to do that on my About page. Let's keep going. Now, all of this is what we call circumstantial evidence. It may sound bad when we put it all together, but these factors do not a suspect make, nor do they prove any sort of guilt. But I will say that the anger management issue that got Jack S. allegedly booted from his fraternity is the thing that bothers me most. Whoever committed this crime definitely had an anger management problem. We know the crime was fueled by rage, and a lot of it. Is being ditched by two beautiful young women after you walk them over to the grub truck reason enough to take their lives? For a stable-minded person, no. But for someone with built-up anger, it could be the trigger. I'm not accusing jackass, we're just speculating here. By the way, I think that anyone who has had suspicion thrown on them in this case should consider doing what the neighbor, Jeremy Reagan, has done, and that is come forward to the cops and voluntarily submit your DNA. That's the quickest route to stopping the chatter. And if you really care about Kaylee, Maddie, Ethan, and Zana, the best way you can contribute to their legacy and to helping their families is helping solve the case. Just saying. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.